Hi, it's Jeff again, and welcome to my latest podcast. And uh, I'm carrying on with the reading of the excellent uh, book uh, that I've been reading, and uh, just uh, having a few thoughts. I'm out in the van again. A uh, bit of a bit of a delay for being able to record uh, another chapter. Uh, I'm intending to all do all the chapters and. Um, you know, help the uh, manosphere in in actually doing this, uh, so that you can get the information without having to worry about buying uh, a book if you don't have the money. And uh, obviously, um, my general intention is to help as many men as I can, and to make uh, men aware as young as possible and I think uh, you know a lot of guys are listening to this probably are older uh, like myself and uh, feel um, you know that they wish they'd had this information at hand and so that's what drives me that's what drives me on uh, to help as many men as I can and we're in the midst of this uh, supposed pandemic, and the uh, you know it seems a bit uh, like a dystopian nightmare that's when you go out and about. Um, you know, people are fearful, and you know, wearing masks everywhere. Um, and uh, a lot of businesses are not going to survive this. I can tell you that for sure. Um, so we've got a very difficult time to come. And, you know, I read on, there's a thing on the BBC in the UK which is called the Red Button, which they wanted to scrap, but uh, they got a lot of letters coming and complaints saying that we want this Red Button to continue so they've allowed it for the time being and on that button um, they have some stories that don't get covered elsewhere in the BBC and uh, or anywhere else for that matter there's the odd little story little nugget of information that they that gets out yes even the BBC which is heavily heavily feminized and uh, almost not worth watching anymore. Um, and there's a story about the numbers of people who, the numbers of men who've phoned uh, a helpline uh, for domestic abuse. And it's in the 100,000 range. I can't remember the exact number, that, but there's this charity that are set up to help men you know, deal with domestic abuse. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of men suffering out there. And this is sort of quite predictable. If you, you know, follow uh, a lot of the uh, MGTOW guys on YouTube um, and Bruffold's Law um, states that, uh, you know, that the woman will only 
allow a relationship if she finds it beneficial to herself. So a lot of guys being made redundant, of course there's going to be a lot of bad blood in the home. And so there's going to be massive abuse for men in the home losing their jobs because as MGTOW men we know that a lot of uh, what females uh, want is safety and security and so and so that when the money's not coming in quite often they view men as a uh, a waste of space and this has happened to me indeed uh, being uh, made redundant well I was you know I voluntarily made myself redundant due to being deaf um, and uh, you know I, I, I had this happen to me and so uh, a lot a lot of disrespect uh, you know and uh, a lot of bad blood in the home um, and I wonder if anybody's listened to this who has a daughter I wonder if they've suffered from the uh, you know your, you know the daughter being abusive I certainly have and I uh, think that uh, I've had a bit of luck in that she is old enough now and she's married and uh, doesn't spend much time at home so I've had some luck there but uh, you know it's not not possible to uh, vent any sort of uh, thing against females because uh, other members of the family will jump down your neck and you know defend the females so it's very dangerous to actually um, talk about red pill and mctow it's very difficult and dangerous which i've done at home and uh, it has caused all sorts of trouble for me um, but I don't care, <laughs> I don't care, because the MGTOW philosophy has been a massive enlightenment for me, and, and I think I might have mentioned before, you know, it's been a very, very difficult path, incredibly so, and yet there's still this uh, little kernel of strength that I've gained having the knowledge and listen to hundreds and hundreds of uh, videos on YouTube over extended time I uh, must have listened to thousands now and uh, you know um, uh, I think one I listened to yesterday which was from um, Red Pill Men's Health I think it's called on YouTube and also he's got another channel called Gregory the Red Pill Guru, I think. But uh, Red Pill Men's Health. Um, he did a, a video yesterday, what, what women value, and that really is safety and security. You know, that is about it. So if men don't provide that, you know, they're quite quickly seen as fairly... You know, they, they do the monkey branching and the hypergummy, hypergummy comes out. Uh, 
So a lot of a lot of divorces are going to happen, and I think all is good. You know, all is good that divorces happen in the end, if men are strong and they find MGTOW content and they go their own way and are strong, stronger men for getting away from the family and being their own strong man. That is all good stuff. Um, and, you know, I think this is the blessing of MGTOW is that the men, once they find it, and they learn from it and they go through the red pill range rage come out the other side and you know some of them hopefully more all of them will be far stronger and realize uh, that the woman isn't a necessity and um, so a lot of divorces are going to happen and a lot of weddings have not happened because of this virus. Uh, a lot of weddings have not happened because of this virus. And again, it is all good because there is the small chance that men might stumble on a, on a MGTOW video, you know, going to ask questions of why their marriages, why the women acts in a certain way. And so, that is all good stuff because the more time a man has to wake up from, you know, being indoctrinated about being married, the better. And so some good has come from this virus lockdown and, and so that, you know, I think is a good thing. So there we are, that's that side of things and I'm going to... Uh, carry on with the chapter instead of rambling on okay so um, the next chapter is called a woman's horizon whatever men set about to impress women with counts for nothing in the world of women only another woman is of importance in her world And then that, uh, you know, is quite a groundbreaking statement. And I don't know if you might have noticed that if your woman is putting makeup on, she makes a lot of effort because she's seeing another woman. And that I think that makes a lot of sense, that sentence there. Um, here we go. So... Of course, a woman will always be pleased if a man turns to look at her. And if he is well-dressed or drives an expensive sports car, so much the better. Her pleasure may be compared to that of a stockholder who finds that his stock has risen. It will be a matter of complete indifference to a woman if he is attractive or looks intelligent. A, chair, a shareholder is hardly likely to notice the colour of his dividend cheque. But if another woman should turn to look, a rare occurrence, 
for her own judgment is infinitely more remorseless than that of a man. Her day is made. She has achieved the impossible, the recognition, admiration and love of other women. And this I've highlighted as well that yes, only women exist in a woman's world. The women she meets at church, at parent-teacher meetings or in the supermarket, the women with whom she chats over the garden fence, the women at parties or window shopping in the more fashionable streets, those she apparently never seems to notice. These women are the measure of her success or failure. Women's standards correspond to those in other women's heads, not to those in the heads of men. It is their judgment that really counts, not that of men. A simple word of praise from another woman and all those clumsy, inadequate male compliments fall by the wayside, for they are just praises out of the mouths of amateurs. Men really have no idea in what kind of world women live in. Their hymns of praise miss all the vital points. Of course, woman wants to please man as well. Don't let us forget, after all, that he provides the material means. But that is much more easily done. Highlighted this bit. Men have been conditioned to react to a certain degree of differentiation. They expect women to conform to certain types of sex symbols created by makeup and other standard trappings. Long hair, painted lips, tight-fitting sweaters, miniskirts, sheer stockings, high heels, all done in a moment. It is those living works of art which are beyond man's comprehension, those creatures walking the fashionable streets of Paris, Rome and New York, the skill of eyeliner and shadow expertly applied, the choice of lipstick and its application with or without lip brush, in several layers or only in one, the compromise to be achieved between the pros and cons of false eyelashes, the matching of a dress, a stole or a coat with the lighting. All this is an art requiring expert knowledge of which man has no conception. A man lacks any kind of appreciation for this. He has not learnt to interpret the extent of female masquerades as he cannot possibly evaluate these walking works of art. I highlighted this. To achieve perfection in such skill needs time, money, and an infinitely limited mind. All these requirements are met by women. In fact, when a woman dresses, she considers a man to a slight extent, the extent necessary to hold him and encourage him to provide in the widest sense for her, every other investment is aimed at other women. 
Man has importance only as the provider. I highlighted that bit. If a firm wants to get hold of a specialist in some field, it will flatter and entice him in every possible way until he weakens. Once the contract is signed, his employers can relax. Their leverage over him continues to increase. A woman behaves in much the same way with a man. She gives her man just enough rope to ensure his preferring life by her side to breaking his contract with her. A woman may in fact be compared to a firm in a number of ways. After all, a firm is only an impersonal system aimed at achieving a maximum profit. And what else does a woman do? Without any emotion, love, hate or malice, she is bound to the man who works for her. Feelings become involved only if he threatens to leave her. Then her livelihood is at stake. As this is a rational reaction with a rational cause that can be rationally dealt with and adjusted to, she can always place another man under contract. How different is her reaction from those of a man who finds himself in a similar position? He is racked by jealousy, humiliation and self-pity, but she is emotionless. And that is quite shocking. Um, I've highlighted that bit. And, you know, a woman's emotion is something mysterious, really, because um, my wife, for example, she has a very sort of stressful job at the moment. She's, she's a care worker and she has to deal with some very stressful um, situations at work. And the sort of situations I'm talking about are situations that would, for me, be too much to bear. And I would be lying awake at night worrying about these things. And... Um, you know, in my work life, I have lied awake at night a lot, worrying about what's going to happen in the day. And, um, you know, so it's very interesting for me to notice that she s sleeps like a log. You know, she's not lying there wake waking and, and worrying. She's sleeping like a log. So that the emotion isn't really there, to be honest, I don't think. So I think that's true, that bit. Um, a woman, here we go, carry on, a woman would hardly ever feel jealous in such a situation since the man is leaving her only for another woman and not in order to be free. In her eyes, he is not improving his position in any way. The adventure of a man's love for a new woman is nothing more than a nuisance. She is seeing it all from the angle of an entrepreneur who loses is best worker to a competitor. As far as a woman is concerned, the heartache involved is nothing more than a reaction to letting good business go elsewhere. Consequently, it is quite absurd 
for any man to think his wife is being faithful merely because she does not go off with other men, men in who, who in his eyes are more attractive, provided he is working hard and is supplying all the things that really matter to her, why should she? A woman's faithfulness has nothing in common with that of a man. Women are, in contrast to men, practically immune to the looks of the opposite sex. If a woman flirts with her husband's best friend, her intention is to annoy his wife, whose feelings do matter, unlike those of her own husband. If she felt deeply about the man in question, she would never show her emotions in public. In pluralistic sex practices such as wife-swapping, which has now taken over from flirtation as a pastime, it is the other wife who is the object of attack. History is full of anecdotes about male potentiates enjoying themselves with many mistresses at the same time, but there are few such stories about female potentiates. A woman would be bored to tears with an all-male harem. This has always been the case, and will remain so. If women reacted to a man's external appearance, every current advertisement scheme would be useless. According to statistics, it is the female sector of the population who spends the most money. Money men earn for them. Manufacturers do not attempt to stimulate sales by advertisements, displaying handsome he-men. On the contrary, no matter what they want to sell, package holidays, detergents, cars, bedroom suites, television sets, each advertisement flaunts to a beautiful woman or flaunts a beautiful woman. And um, just as uh, a thought there, um, recently I'm noticing there are adverts openly advertising, um, say for example a bed advert, a mattress advert. Um, there's two women on the bed. And in a car advert, Renault, hang your head in shame. I would never ever buy another Renault and another great French make bites the dust. Uh, there's, I don't know if it's shown in other countries, but in the UK there's been a advert for, I think it's a Renault Clio, um, and there's two women driving it. And I've noticed that quite a lot now that uh, sort of adverts, uh, car adverts, which would have been normally a male-only type of advert, are now, I've got women in the driver's seat and, uh, you know, these sort of expensive, powerful cars, there's a woman driving it. Um, it's quite bizarre, you know. And in Saudi Arabia, only just allowed to drive women, which I think probably a mistake. Okay, so the next page. 
Only very recently have film producers realised that a handsome hero is not essential to the success of a film. Women are quite content with an ugly star. Jean-Paul Belmondo, Walter Matthau or Dustin Hoffman and naturally men prefer them. With their sense of physical inferiority due to the fact that they only re very rarely consider themselves beautiful, they find it far easier to identify with an ugly star. As long as there is a beautiful female lead, a film with an ugly male star will be enjoyed by women as much as a movie starring Rock Hudson, for in reality, they are interested only in the woman in the film. The reason men have remained blind to facts like these for such a long time is that they have been misled by the attacks women make on each other. When they hear a woman make derogatory remarks about another, her nose is too big, chest too flat, hips too wide, legs crooked, men of course assume that they can't stand each other or that women are not attracted by another woman's beauty. Yet how wrong they are. Any businessman, for example, who spends his life praising his competitors in front of his employees would be thought quite mad. Half his best workers would have moved to the other firm. It is the same game that politicians play. Of course, they have to blacken each other's names. But if Nixon got stranded on a desert island, he would surely prefer the company of Kosygin or Castro to the much-praised man in the street, who only elected him. After all, they have very little in common. If women were free of financial cares, the majority of them would be probably prefer to spend their lives in the company of other women, rather than men, and not because they are all lesbians. What men call lesbian tendencies probably have little to do with a woman's sexual drive. No, the sexes have almost no interest in common. What besides money can bind a woman to a man? Women make ideal living companions for each other. Their feelings and instincts are retarded at the same primitive level and their almost no individualistic, individualistic or eccentric women. It isn't difficult to imagine the paradise they would create together and how exciting their existence would be. Even if the intellectual level was appallingly low, but who would worry about it? And that's the end of that chapter. And uh, so I hope you're enjoying this uh, read-through. It's quite damning and sho shocking um, as well. So um, there we are. And uh, so I'll look forward to the next chapter, which is called The Fair Sex. And... Uh, I'll read that through, and uh, we're going, oh, probably about 20, 
I was only 20% through the book, so there's quite a lot to go. So I'm going to carry on with it right to the end and uh, save my bothers a little few farthings in the process. So good luck to you all and I uh, hope you gain something from this. And this is Jeff signing off. Speak to you soon. Bye for now.